Hey ladies, welcome back to the show. I am your host, Trisha, and today we're going to talk about the six things that I think are the most important for women over 40 when it comes to our health. So often, I think we get caught in these little jags of like what is in the news and what is most popular right now. And I think it's like this shiny object that kind of takes us away from things that can probably actually help our hormones and help us feel better. Um, I believe that these topics are all, or these things are all intertwined as they help create some kind of hormone, either balance or imbalance if you're not taking them into consideration. And we know that if you're a woman over 40, you're probably getting to a place that you may be having an imbalance of your hormones. And it can happen for a variety of reasons. You may be pregnant, you may be, you know, at the end of your pregnancy, and so you're having crazy hormone imbalances. You may be in perimenopause, or you may be in full-blown menopause. And all of these things create some kind of hormone imbalance. And then these six lifestyle things create more of a hormone imbalance if you're unable to do them or practice them. So when we talk about these six things, why I think they're the most important and why if I was doing like a full-blown nutrition plan for each of you, I would probably touch upon each of these with you because all of these have some influence when it comes to your hormones. And we know that if you're a woman over 40, you're going to be in a place where your hormones will start to eventually become a little bit more imbalanced than maybe they were when you were in your thirties. You know, one caveat is these topics are really big topics. So I've done podcast episodes about them all, and I'm not telling you to do all of these things today, but more this episode is about how they all play off of each other and how they're important together in in an attempt to balance your hormones, but also so that you can see that they also, um, you know, may create some kind of imbalance too. So the reason why I think these are the most important, because I think that these are the things that will affect you more as a woman over 40, because they're going to have an impact on your hormones. So the first thing that we're going to talk about is sleep and the importance of getting sleep. And again, I've done podcast episodes on these individually. If you want to dive into them a little bit more, I'll leave all those episode numbers in the show notes. But for sleep, I've, I've done episode 89, 144, and 145. So when it comes to sleep and our hormones, the hormones that we're going to talk about here, but sleep has an impact on quite a few of our hormones, but the ones that we're going to concentrate on are your Um, are your hormones such as insulin, such as cortisol, leptin and ghrelin, which are your hunger and fullness hormones. So when it comes to sleep, we all know that sleep is necessary. We all know the impact of not having enough sleep. Sleep is, the recommendation is for seven to nine hours of sleep per night. There may be people that can do less. I'm actually one of those people, but I don't know if I just tell myself that because I don't get enough sleep. But I would say that of all the things I say, I think sleep is probably the most important because I think that it impacts everything else and the other five things that we're going to talk about. So the reason for sleep is it's necessary for survival because there's a lot of bodily functions that happen optimally when we sleep. 
There are toxins that can build up in your brain during the day and sleep allows them to be removed. And so you'll notice that if you're able to get enough sleep, that you'll have better memory, better, just better able to problem solve and have better cognition. And the other thing about sleep is that it helps repair our muscles. It helps release hormones. It allows cells to grow and to break down cells and then to regrow. But one of the things that I think that people complain the most about when I hear women talk about sleep or lack of sleep, mostly, is this disruption of hormones or hormones that get out of balance when you're not sleeping enough. So we have these hormones that promote rest and calmness that are only released when you sleep. So if you find yourself in a place where you're not sleeping as much as you normally would for a multitude of reasons there tends to be, you're not able to get that, um, that release of that, that calmness that happens with these, these hormones that promote rest and calmness. The other thing is, is that we have these hormones that we blame for hunger and full, um, hunger and fullness. We have a hormone called ghrelin and that makes us feel really hungry. And we have leptin that makes us feel full. And when we get enough sleep, those hormones will be in balance so that you'll feel hungry when you're hungry and you'll feel full when you're full. But we don't get enough sleep, there, be, there, there becomes this imbalance of these hormones. And what that, what that ends up happening is, is that when you don't get enough sleep, you have an imbalance where you're going to start feeling hungry in the middle of the night, maybe when you wouldn't normally be hungry, and you won't probably be able to feel really full. So if you ever notice when you're up late or when you... Um, when you're up late and you start craving things and it's like at a time when you wouldn't normally like crave food, this could be it. Also, when you start to crave these things, they tend to be foods that are higher in calorie, higher in fat foods in comparison to when you sleep really well. In addition, you may notice this if you didn't have that great of a night's sleep, you may notice that like you could give two shits all of a sudden you are just so hungry and nothing is like making you full. Well, that's probably because you're having some kind of imbalance with these hormones. The other thing that happens when you don't sleep that well is that you essentially, so this is when insulin comes into play and we've talked about insulin before. So when you're eating these foods that are like really high in fat, they tend to also be higher in carbohydrates. And so what happens is, is that you eat this food and the carbohydrates just kind of sit in your blood and they're not able to get to the cells that need it the most because your body's not letting you convert that carbohydrate into glucose getting into your cell that you need it to be because of all these different hormones and so what that leads to is especially if it's like a lack of sleep for a longer period of time would be things like weight gain um You'll notice maybe like a fat, a little bit more fat um, accumulation around your your belly. And the more important thing here is that that is going to increase your risk of diabetes. And the problem isn't that, you know, it's it's not, it, it's really that you're having this like imbalance of your hormones that's creating this dynamic for you and, and that's happening in your body. 
And the other thing that's happening when it comes to hormones is that with lack of sleep, there's a release in cortisol. And cortisol cortisol is a hormone that basically is associated with like this fight or flight. And you can have it in your body, but we don't want you to have it too much, right? So too much cortisol releases, too much cortisol releases like, um, it happens first of all, when you don't sleep and then we think it leads to inflammation and inflammation is going to lead to your risk for developing other diseases. So this is kind of why sleep becomes really important because there's a dysregulation in your hunger fullness hormones. There is this imbalance in your insulin, which is going to put you at risk for being overweight, obese, and more importantly, having an increased belly circumference and an increase in, in your risk of diabetes, which tends to be I think it kind of tends to be at a place when you're in your forties that most people start to see their blood work, maybe like getting them to a pre-diabetes level. Chronic insulin resistance can lead to a lot of different things besides diabetes. It can lead to PCOS. It can lead to cardiovascular disease, fatty liver, and something that they call metabolic syndrome. And so it's not really anything that you want. And so then you're also going to have this increased risk of cortisol production, which is going to lead to more and more inflammation. So this is why I think sleep is probably one of the most important things because lack of sleep has been associated with this disruption of, um, of your hormones. So I'm not talking about like lack of sleep one or two nights. That's probably not going to be, you know, that's not, that's not going to probably do, you know, that's not going to be the thing that that's happening with one time not getting enough sleep. It tends to be these people who are like that work night shift or these people that are, um, you know, having lack of sleep for a prolonged period of time. And some could argue that's just being a parent in general. And so it's just kind of showing you that sleep is necessary. I think a lot of times we put sleep off. It's probably one of the easiest things to, um, to kind of cut off when it comes to our health. But I just wanted to remind you of the importance of sleep and how that impacts your hormones, especially if you feel like you're in a place where your hormones are being disrupted because there's other things happening in your life. The second thing that impacts your hormones is hydration, which is crazy, right? And so it's just making sure that you're drinking enough water and that you can prevent yourself from being dehydrated. So much of your body is made up of water and therefore we need water to help our body function properly. We know that water is really important because it helps regulate our temperature. It helps get rid of toxins that build up in our body and also it prevents constipation. So there's lots of different reasons why hydration is important. But did you know that hydration also has an impact in hormones? If you are chronically dehydrated, they think there's some studies that show that that might have an impact on cortisol production, and it may actually increase your stress hormones, and so hydration then becomes important too. We know hydration is important because it also helps keep your gut healthy. You want to have enough um, water to do that. 
Most of us has probably felt the feeling of being dehydrated, where we feel thirsty or tired or irritable or brain fog, or maybe we have some terrible headaches. So making sure that you are drinking enough water for you. Most of the water recommendations come from the natural, the National Academies of Sciences and Engineering, which suggests that healthy women need to consume um, anywhere between 2.7 liters to 3.2.7 liters to 3 liters of fluid per day, and that's from food and beverages. And typically, you know, for women, water is going to vary, and it varies according to a lot of different things. But the most important thing is water. It usually water intake to prevent dehydration varies according to your weight. So because our body is made up of primarily water, the more you weigh, the more water you need. So for instance, if you're somebody who is 125 pounds, you may require only seven cups of water per day. Whereas if you weigh 225 pounds, you may require closer to 10 to 11 cups of water per day. So I think they make this recommendation out there, like make sure you get like at least eight cups of water a day, but it really depends on your body weight and um, it will vary according to individual. And what I would say to you is listen to your thirst hormones and then also listen to and watch the color of your urine. And that's how you're going to know what and how much water you need to drink per day. I have a freebie that I talk about on here that you can also check out because I think this freebie helps kind of talk about, I think water, I can't remember if dehydration is one of the things in there, but since we're talking about things that are important for women over 40, you can grab that freebie because it's going to be really dive into the five simple things that you can do today that'll keep you healthy for tomorrow. And some of the things that we talk about today will be included in there and how to really get to a place that you're able to be able to think about some of these things and how they can help you in the future. But hydration is something that is really important when it comes to our hormones too. The third thing is stress management. And so we all talk about, you know, we all respond to stress differently and we all have a different method of managing stress. And by the way, we all know that stress is something that we don't like, that maybe sometimes stress helps us, but overall, um, you know, when we have stress and we have a lot of stress, it increases this cortisol production in our body. And so this just increases inflammation, which we don't want. The other thing is that stress, when you're really stressed, it can lead to stress eating. It can even lead to um, aging of our cells. And these high cortisone levels, so these levels of our hormones are creating more inflammation. When they're prolonged, because there's something really stressful for a prolonged period of time, we know that they have a negative impact on our body and can lead to this chronic inflammation, which puts you at risk for diabetes, heart disease, obesity, depression, anxiety. One of the other things that happens with stress is that there is this idea that many of you have probably felt where you're stress eating because maybe it's the way that you're choosing to um, get rid of your stress because when we have all this stress we need to get rid of it we need to get it out of our body and so 
stress eating tends to be something that's really simple. We have food around and so it ends up being a a coping mechanism. And trust me, I'm right there with you if you're somebody who stress eats. And so stress becomes important because again, it creates this like this it creates this inflammation that over time and prolonged, this inflammation can put you at risk for different diseases. And if it's unmanaged, it creates this never ending cycle. And so what that cycle looks like is that you have this buildup of stress, you have nowhere to put it, you have to get rid of it somehow because you don't want to have all this inflammation in your body. If you're somebody who stress eats, then you're in this place that you're eating because you're stressed you are having this release and imbalance of your hormones and you know your hunger and fullness hormones come into play here too because no matter have you ever been in a, a time in your life where you're really stressed and it doesn't matter how much you eat but you can't feel satiated well i suspect this is what's happening to you is that you're having this imbalance in your hunger and fullness hormones and so it ends up creating this cycle of being stressed having insulin resistance You may not feel like you are satiated. You may not feel like you're full and the stress exacerbates this and the cycle continues. So having a way to manage your stress will help keep your cortisol levels in check and therefore will also help level, keep your and manage your levels of inflammation and they'll also help with your hunger and fullness hormones as well. So for you trying to figure out what are some of the tools that you need to calm yourself? What are some of the resources that help you? Um, You know, because I think there is this idea of food as comfort. And when we're stressed, there ends up becoming this strong impulse to eat. And a lot of times I think it's really hard to um, separate out stress and the stress eating and the emotional eating. So just to kind of remind you and just to kind of talk about this idea that stress also has an impact in your hormones. Cause I think for me anyway, I'm always like, Oh my God, I feel like I'm so out of balance and I just feel like I don't feel right. And I think there are these things that are in front of me that I'm not really managing because I don't, I don't think I ever really understood the impact of, um, of being in balance or not being in balance, I think to have some kind of imbalance and to be really stressed and how that impacts my hormones. And so perhaps, you know, you're someone who's there too. The fourth thing we're going to talk about is movement. So I'm not going to talk about like, oh, you need to exercise because I want to reframe this. I want to talk about movement and how when you move your body, it not only helps keep you strong, but it's a way that it helps manage stress. It releases endorphins. It actually helps balance your hormones, which you probably all know that, right? Because it makes you feel so good after the fact. And it also lowers your blood sugar, which is really great. And it helps get any of that extra sugar that's sitting in your cells. It helps that's sitting in your blood, it helps get it into the cells. And that's where we want it to be. So this can be any kind of movement at all, whether you're just getting up and dancing in between commercials, whether you're just kind of doing some stuff around the house, any kind of movement is what we want to help balance the hormones. We know that only 20% of adults are meeting the guidelines for, um, for 
for physical activity in general, the recommendation is just to get some kind of movement about 150 minutes per week. And why that's important is not only does it help balance your hormones, but we know that there's this relationship associated with being inactive. So the more inactive you are for the longer period of time, it has more of an impact in decreasing your health. And a decrease in physical activity or movement leads to an increase of heart disease and all-cause mortality. So for you today, I would just say make sure that you're moving. I know that you may not be in a place where you're able to get 150 minutes per week. Um, And I'm going to tell you something right now. I'm probably not there near there at all. I have been in a really hard place to get physical activity with my hip injury. And most of my movement comes from either doing household activities or doing physical therapies, physical therapy. And maybe that's where you are too. But movement is going to be really important in terms of helping balance all the hormones, um, keeping the good hormones where they want to be and keeping the bad hormones. Well, they're not really bad. The hormones that are going to create more stress and inflammation and maybe an imbalance, they're going to help keep them in balance. So I want you to start thinking about movement in a way that not how it impacts your, um, your physicality, but really how it impacts your body and what's happening inside your body and really movement in this way that's going to make you feel a lot better because it's going to help manage a lot of different things. It's going to help help you manage the stress that you have. It's going to help manage just a million things. It's going to help you maybe even help with hydration because you're going to be able to tap into that idea of knowing when you're dehydrated. And it's also going to help you sleep too. So again, all of these things work together to get you to a place that you can create a little bit more balance when it comes to your hormones. And one caveat here too, is if you're in menopause, I think when I talked to my doctor about menopause and I said, I feel like my hormones are so out of balance. And she basically said, yeah, that's what menopause is. So I guess there's this idea that there is going to be an imbalance if you are in menopause, but perhaps doing these things are going to make you feel like you have a little bit more control and maybe not feel as imbalanced as you do because menopause isn't going to just last for a day. It's going to probably last for a couple of years. And so doing these things are going to be a way that you feel more in control and that maybe it helps lessen um, the burden and the, the, the negative side effects of being in menopause. The fifth thing is hunger and fullness. And so when, you know, I talk a lot on here about like diets don't work. And the reason why I talk about that is that I think ultimately whatever you decide to do and what foods you decide to eat will vary for you. And it's very unique and individual for you because you have a different family history than other people. You may have a different disease that dictates the foods that you need to eat. And you may may be at risk for, there just might be, as an individual, you're going to be different than somebody else, right? In the things that you eat and the things that you crave. But what we know is, is that, again, it, it doesn't, in terms of, I think we get so focused on diets and calorie intake, but what I think is more important here is really trying to figure out 
this idea of when you're full and when you're hungry. And we've talked about this previously. I did an episode on intuitive eating and that was episode 74. And and why I think this is important is that hunger and fullness is something that most of us haven't learned. Maybe we knew it when we were a kid, but it doesn't matter. I mean, it does matter, but like no matter what what kind of foods you are eating, the commonality in this for everybody is this idea of trying to identify when you're hungry and trying to identify when you're full. And no matter what your meal pattern looks like, this concept is going to be important forever because it's not something that changes. It's something that will be with you forever if you're able to learn it. I've attached a hunger and fullness scale in the show notes so that you can start practicing it if you want. But why hunger fullness becomes even even more um, important as you age and your hormones become more imbalanced is that we've talked about now these two hormones, this hunger and fullness hormone, right? And so during times of stress or hormonal imbalance, you're going to probably feel really off where you're going to feel hungrier and you may have intense cravings with this hormonal imbalance and you're not going to probably really get to a place where you feel full. And so getting to a place that you are able to start to identify your own body and what is normal for you in terms of when you start to feel hungry and when you start to feel full will start to help you when you have periods of having not enough sleep or something like that where those hunger fullness hormones are out of balance. If you're able to practice the hunger and fullness cues based on that hunger and fullness scale, then when your hormones are out of, you know, out of balance and your body is telling you in the middle of the night, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. Maybe you're able to see like, I'm not really hungry. This is just something that's happening because my hormones are out of whack. And when your body starts telling you that you're not full, you know that you're just able to better like kind of be a little bit more in tune with what's really happening in your body. And all of these things, you know, I think so many women, we get so focused on our weight. And no matter how many times I say like diets don't work, I think it's just so easy to be like, well, I'm going to go on this diet because it's going to help manage my weight. But knowing that the root to all of this is probably having a little bit more knowledge of what's happening with your hormones, because that will ultimately help manage your weight no matter what, right? Because if you're able to kind of see like, oh, this is my hormones versus this, am I really hungry? Am I really full and really tapping into that? I think you're going to be able to really get to a place that you're not working against your hormones and that you're actually like, okay, my hormones are telling me this as opposed to being like, I'm really hungry and maybe you're really not. So I don't know if I don't know if that makes sense, but basically you can even, you know, I, again, I attached a hunger and fullness scale that I want you to look at, but you can even go on the internet and look at a hunger fullness, 
like um, you can kind of just see what's out there. But basically a hunger and fullness scale is going to be a scale that ranges from one to 10. And that scale on number one is going to be like um, starving. And from number 10 is going to be that you're so full. And I want you to recognize that in the middle is where you're going to feel satisfied, where you're not really like too hungry or too full. And for women, I think a lot of us over time have lost touch with this idea that we're really hungry or that we're really full. And so if we're able to get to a place that we're able to practice hunger and fullness, and again, I did talk about that in, a, in another episode, which will be in the show notes, then when our hormones are out of balance, like say that we didn't sleep enough, we don't have to just all of a sudden go to this place where we're like, I'm going to eat anything I want. We can be a little bit more mindful of what's actually happening in our body and knowing that we because we're sleepy, we're having this dysregulation or disruption in our hunger fullness hormones, our, our ghrelin and our leptin. And so we can kind of see it for what it is and we can kind of tap into it and know that, okay, this is just hormonal. And if I get a little bit more sleep, I'm not going to feel this way. So I just wanted to kind of put that out there that just knowing when you're hunger, hungry and full on a day when you're not having the craziness of this imbalance in your hormones, um, just so that you can kind of get an understanding that that is going to have the most impact, I think, knowing your hunger and fullness on your weight than any diet will have. And that there are these hormones that are in the background that are, you know, maybe going to become more and more out of whack as you progress into menopause. And so just kind of having an idea of what they're doing and have strategies around that to help manage, um, to manage, to manage your hunger and fullness single signals and what's normal for you as you get into a period of your life where maybe that's going to be a little hard to, to tap into. And the last thing I'm going to talk about is eating enough fiber-containing foods. So recently I did um, I did an episode on your gut microbiome, and this is why I decided to add this, because I think this is really important, that there is a lot of research with, um, with your gut and talking about how it can if it if your gut isn't like diversified or working well enough that it can lead to hormonal imbalance. And so in that episode what I'm basically talking about is eating foods that are rich in fiber. So there's going to be people that aren't able to do that um, because maybe they're not able to eat enough, enough fiber. But if you're able to do so, and I think most people how they can help their gut microbiome is eating, you know, as much fiber as you can do for your body and making the foods that you eat diversified enough that it helps promote, um, that it promotes like health of your, of your gut. And so, you know, and, and that podcast episode, will kind of talk about that a little bit more, but basically they, they found that the things that help the most with, um, with your GI tract and keeping it nice and healthy are eating fiber rich foods, 
making sure that you're eating a nice diversity of foods, minimizing how many sugars and sugar substitutes you're eating. Because we want to really make sure that that gut is operating um, at a level that's, you know, where you're having like a pretty decent, um, where you're not finding yourself where you're too constipated or you're having diarrhea. We want to make sure that your gut is functioning properly because there's a lot of things that we think are happening now in your gut. There is research that supports that the gut and the brain, um, they kind of work together. And so we want to make sure your gut is as as diversified as possible and then just functioning as well as it can be so that you can help create um, balance when it comes to your hormones. So if that's something that you're interested in, go back and listen to that episode because I dive really deep into that and why it's important. And again, this is um, this is something that is more more nuanced and there's not as much research out there. But we, we've always known that there's an association between your gut and immunity. So, you know, if your gut's not in a really great place that you could increase your risk for infection and there's less immunity. But there is also this... Um, you know, this idea that if your gut isn't in a place where you want it to be, that there is a hormone imbalance. And since we're talking about hormone imbalance in this episode, I wanted to just kind of put that out there too. Okay. So that's all six things. As a recap, we talked about, we talked about sleep. We talked about stress management. We talked about hydration. We talked about movement. We talked about hunger fullness, and we talked about making sure that you're able to eat um, enough fiber containing foods to create some kind of diversity and strength in your GI tract. So these are all really big topics. And so, you know, I think there's going to be time periods in your life where you're able to do some of the things, time periods in your life where you just can't do any of them. And that's perfectly fine. Um, I, I suspect that, you know, and I'm not telling you to do all these things. Again, I'm just kind of trying to, for you, I would just probably say like pick the low hanging fruit. So if you're somebody who like doesn't get enough sleep and that maybe, maybe you can even get a little bit more sleep tonight, like even a half an hour more, maybe that's your low hanging fruit that you pick because that might have the biggest impact on your health for you to help with your hormones. But I just want you to kind of see how all of these things are important because we get so caught up on these nuances of maybe some things that aren't that important, where the more important thing is to know that all of these things work together in creating a hormone imbalance, to, to create a hormone imbalance and to create balance. And so just kind of putting them all together and putting the pieces together to know how they can help you. And know that like, you're not going to be able to do all these things at one time. And I'm not asking you to do that. But I just wanted you to kind of know how they impact you because having that knowledge is where the power is. And that's where, you know, you can start to take action. And the key is not to take action on all of these things at one particular time. Again, it's just picking the low hanging fruit, what you can do today to do one of these things to help manage your hormones. And knowing that there's going to be periods of your life where maybe you can do a little bit more of these things and periods of your life where it's going to be harder to do that. And that's totally fine. But I just wanted to talk about these these topics and how they are all related together because I don't know that I've done that before. 
And so whatever you can do today to work for you and to make your hormones feel like they're a little bit more in balance is what I would do. There's no right or wrong way to do this. It's more about what works for you and what you're able to do over the long term. And, you know, making these like small these small changes over time will get you to a place that you can hopefully feel like you have a little bit more control of your life and more control of your health in general. And that's really the goal here, right? Is to make these small changes over time and trying to figure out what works for you, what doesn't work for you, and then creating a little bit more of a foundation of things that you know work for you. So perhaps you're not somebody who's able to get seven to nine hours of sleep in this particular time in your life. So, but maybe you're only doing five hours now. So maybe you can work on trying to get six hours. And then over time, as that And as you see how that impacts your life and impacts your health, maybe then it can become more of a priority to you, or maybe over time, your kids are older and you're able to get a little bit more sleep. So again, it's not that you have to do everything right now, because I think that would be impossible. And there's no right or wrong way to do things, because this is all about what you can do to make this part of your lifestyle today. And I understand, I mean, I'm looking at this list and I'm like, oh, I need stress management. Oh, I need to, I need to do movement. Oh, I need to sleep. So there's things that we can all work on. And, you know, it's just, you know, just kind of knowing how they are impacting your hormones and that it doesn't have to be perfect, but it's also not an impossibility. So whatever you can do when it comes to taking control of your health is going to help you and it's going to help your hormones too. And so that's the goal of this podcast is that we're all on the journey and that I understand that all of this takes time and effort and some of it's going to require you to do things you don't want to do and step outside of your comfort zone, but just to kind of start thinking about the direction that you want to go to when it comes to your health and how you can make that more of a possibility than maybe it is today. So remembering to start where you're at today It's not about being perfect. It's just about being a little bit better each day. Be kind to yourself and thank you so much for listening. I will see you back here next week.